This podcast is a B-Side Collections production. Shout out to my girl, Katie Nicole. She is a past guest of the podcast, and she is the creator of In Harmony Skincare. This company is amazing and committed to keeping your skin healthy. And we mean really healthy, not that fake toxic healthy that we're getting in our stores. Their mission is to provide you with great skincare products that are all handmade in small batches from the highest quality sources that will make your skin say Thank you. Their initial product collection is handmade, 100% organic, vegan, natural, and cruelty-free. Please don't forget this. Your skin is the largest organ of your body, so you should treat it with care. What you put on the outside can absolutely affect what's in the inside, which is why they believe in using the best quality ingredients and all of their products, again, are handmade with love. Check them out online at stayinharmony.com. Fertility ain't fair. That's right. So let's talk about it. Real, raw, unfiltered with me, your friend in fertility. Welcome back, Fertility and Fair family. It is your girl, your host, your forever friend in fertility, Britt. And we are back for another episode of Fertility and Fair, the podcast. We are going to welcome Dr. Maya into our space. Uh, Dr. Maya McCarthy, aka the doctor's womb, aka Dr. M, I'm sure for some people, she is a fertility coach um, who is helping women of color specifically navigate the, the crazy ups and downs of ART and fertility challenges. She is also a board certified physician, a dedicated wife, and a proud mother of a two-year-old. And she just has a really unique viewpoint because not only is she a fertility coach and a physician, but she is a woman who has experienced fertility challenges. And because of that, she is committed to leaving no woman behind or alone. So this conversation was a joy to have. So glad we were able to connect. And so I hope that you have your pens and pads ready. I hope you're comfy. Uh, settle in for an amazing conversation with Dr. Maya. So as promised, Fertility Ain't Fair is gracious in welcoming Dr. Maya, aka the doctor's womb, into our space. How are you? How are you? I am doing well. Doing well. Thank you so much for, for having me on your show. No, thank you for saying yes. Thank you for answering your DMs. Because look, I will slide in them. Okay, like, <laughs> I find somebody. I'm like, mm, what? Nothing to lose. I'm going to go ahead and slide nope. in the DMs and see what happens. Exactly, nothing to lose. All the game. <laughs> Absolutely. So we are here to definitely gain some knowledge. You have such a unique perspective on all things assisted reproduction and fertility because. Because one, you are a physician. Uh, two, you've gone down this road yourself as someone who had experienced fertility challenges and gone down the IVF uh, journey. And you now have an entire uh, coaching business that is dedicated to women and specifically women of color who are really trying to navigate 
Definitely the uncertainty and the overwhelming a lot of times assisted reproduction, uh, just just everything, whether it's IUI or IVF. And it's just, it's a lot. And we both know it's a lot. (laughs) Yes, it's a whole lot. And you know, quite honestly, I did not expect for it to be a lot. Um, Yes. so, So first of all, I don't think anybody expects to have to go through this at all. Nobody imagines in their life that they're gonna ever have to go through some sort of infertility journey. And, you know, at least for me, I grew up thinking that I was going to be married by X age and I was gonna have 2.5 children by (laughs) X age and all was gonna be well with the world. Well, that did not happen. Right. That, That did not happen quite that way as life sometimes does. Mm -hmm. And so when I found myself at 34 years old and not married, single as a dollar bill, nobody (laughs) on the horizon, I went to my OB and she said, "Um, Maya, well, so (laughs) you're going to need to consider your fertility. Um, If you ever want to have a family, we're going to need to start thinking really seriously about what to do to preserve your fertility now. Mm. And, you know, I am so grateful that she had that conversation with me because not many OBs are, are, are thinking along that line, particularly when they're mm-hmm. seeing um, mid thirties, you know, women and even older that come into the office. Um, they, they, they may, talk about family and you're growing your family, but they don't mention egg harvesting. And so she did. She mentioned it to me. I I looked into it and I said, okay, this is going to be something that I'm going to do. So at 34, um, I I found a clinic and went through the initial consultation, got set up for the procedure. And when it actually came down to the rubber hitting the road, starting the injections and all that, um, went to all of my appointments and they kept telling me, oh, you're going to have a great cycle. You've got great follicles. There's lots of them. And I was really hopeful about it. And so, you know, walking through the journey, just like, okay, do, 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 do. <laughs> and um, got down to the day of retrieval and I went to sleep think, saying that I had lots of follicles mm-hmm. and I woke up. To the doctor saying I only got six, okay. and so you know my mind was like, "What you? What? What happened? <laughs> right? What happened? Yes, what happened? <laughs> that is always our question. What happened? Yes, what happened? Because it totally took me by surprise because I was expecting a completely different outcome, mm-hmm. and that was when I learned that I actually had PCOS. Wow. And okay. Yes, That's how I was diagnosed. And I started, you know, thinking back, you know, it's always sometimes when these situations happen, you're Monday morning quarterbacking everything. And so I'm, I'm looking back and I'm like, oh yeah, my periods have been irregular. Uh Oh yeah. My insulin has been a little resistant and Uh my A1Cs have been high. And so all the signs and symptoms were there. And so that's how I was diagnosed with um, PCOS, and and there ensued that started my infertility journey. 
That's a lot. That's a Mm -hmm. lot to digest. Right. And, you know, like you said, no one wakes up thinking or in their outlook on the vision of, you know, if you're looking for a family and looking or looking to have children solo or what have you, that I'm going to have to look at these different things. And it's very rare that we have these conversations right prior to, because again, it's Mm -hmm. not something that you think you are going to have to go through. You might hear about it, hear whispers of it, Mm -hmm. but it's not like you're saying, oh, you know what? I should probably look into that. It's just not, from my experience, one of those things that we here. And then we kind of take in and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to check my fertility. I'm going to look to preserve it. I'm going to look at, I'm going to look up and especially for black women. Right. You know, and I think there's still, still such a gap. And, And why do you think there is such a gap still in the space of assisted reproduction or even just opening the conversation with us to say, okay, let's talk about what preserving fertility looks like so that, you know, you know, we have more chances just in case you may need them. Like, why is there still such a gap there for us? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great question. And I'm, I am so glad you asked that question because I think it's, it's, it's multifactorial, but the simple answer is, um, in my opinion, it's just we don't talk about it in our families. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, big mama, your aunties, mm-hmm. your, your, your siblings, and us women, the women in your family. We may have, at least in mine, we may have talked about having babies. Like, and mm-hmm. I remember growing up hearing, like you said, whisperings of so and so was getting pregnant, but we didn't talk about the challenges. And, and mm-hmm. nobody told me about, you know, sometimes it can be difficult. I mean, all I saw was that my grandmother had nine children. Wow. And my mother had, there were three of us, me and my two brothers. And I saw my aunts have children. And so it never occurred to me that anybody was having any issues when, in fact, uh, we do know it is quite common, especially in um, in childbearing years, for women to have miscarriages. It, it, it happens. Some women have are pregnant and miscarry, don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but nobody talks about that. Nobody opens up about that. And um and then the second reason I think nobody talked about it, you know, it just kind of gets swept under the rug. We just don't mm-hmm. talk about it at all. But to be quite honest, it, it is rooted in the deep and intense trauma that we as African-American women have endured in this country. Yeah. Um, the, the trauma of slavery and the implications of how that related to our fertility Mm -hmm. um you were considered to be a prized possession as a woman african-american woman slave if you could produce right and so that meant because if you could produce a child Mm -hmm. for that slave owner that meant that was another person that could labor Mm -hmm. and so the woman who for what whatever reasons, now we might know that might be PCOS or it could have been any number of reasons for infertility back then. Um, but the woman who was infertile was deemed as um, less valuable. Right. And that trauma has been stored 
in our DNA in a very cellular level. And we are just now as a people and as African-American women coming to that realization and unlearning Mm-hmm. the things that have been in us and, and what we have to remember and what I tell my clients this all the time, women are creators and, yeah. and we create in many different ways, not mm-hmm. just, you know, creating babies, but mm-hmm. you know, the old saying goes, if, if you give a woman a, a seed, she'll make it into a full tree, a plant tree. That's just how creative we are mm-hmm. and how strong we are as women, especially as African-American women. And so when you're going through and walking through that infertility journey, it's so important to not lose sight of that strength that you actually do have. You mm-hmm. are empowered, even if you're going through fertility challenges. That was a whole word. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm so glad you were able to, again, break down, you know, those very, like you said, deep, multi-layered, traumatic challenges that have been instilled in us from places that we never even maybe experienced that have been passed down. Because again, that whole, you know, worth being tied to fertility, the worth of you as a woman that is something like you said that we're still, you know, trying to break, especially because like you said, if you have, you know, mama, aunties, grandma, and they still have that mindset, then how does that affect you in the current? How did that affect you growing up as a little girl up until now through puberty as an adult woman? And then when you're faced with, having fertility challenges and or infertility that does not always lead to a child naturally um, or, you know, through these means, because that that is the reality is that That you may or may not be able to, even with all the science in, in the world and even with all the prayers in the world, it may not happen in that way for you, That's you know. Right. Where do you, what do you, what are you left with? And I think a lot of us, and I'll speak for myself, the initial first, you know, year, two years of being, you know, quote unquote, labeled as infertile, it was so emotionally difficult because I dealt with all those feelings of saying, you know, what does that mean for me as a woman, as a wife, as, as, as all of these different titles that I I hold to be very important to me, you know, I'm less than, is my husband going to love me the same? Is my family going to look at me the same? But I, you know, and I was like, you know what? I did not realize how much was tied to this thing? Because in reality, I just thought I was born with the right parts. I shouldn't be able to do this. And why Why is it not working? And then it's like, well, it's not working. And then it's just like, the, your whole POV has to change. And yes. your whole perspective has to change. But it's still hard, you know, sometimes now, you know, even when I get hit with things like, you know, okay, maybe we look at donor eggs, for example, and just entertain the idea. And it was just like, that's another level. I feel like it's knocking off of my, I can't do it. 
Right. And it was just like, gosh, you know, when are we going to get to a space where I can feel like I can do this and it's okay if it looks different. I feel like I, it keeps changing. The, 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 the bar keeps changing. Exactly. It keeps moving. You know? moving it keeps the, the, moving. The and, exactly. And you, keep, you know, trying to chase that line. And, yeah. And you're absolutely right in realizing that that's probably one of the other things I didn't expect um, or didn't know when I started this process is that I was going to have to adjust my expectations of what becoming a mother looked like. Mm -hmm. I knew that the goal was to be a mother. Mm -hmm. And I just assumed that Mm -hmm. with IVF and IUI or any, any other procedure that that would allow me to become a mother um, with my own genetic material. Mm -hmm. But that is not always the case for every woman Mm -hmm. and it's okay. And so, and and that's, that's the piece that, um, you know, I know a lot of women struggle with and, and grapple with, and it's a valid concern. It absolutely Mm -hmm. is a valid emotion and feeling um, to have to even get to the place to consider using donor um, eggs. In fact, mm-hmm. Brittany, the, so when I did get married, this is the rest of my fertility Yes, journey. let's get into the rest of it, yes. <laughs> so I, I, I did finally find uh, the one. He found me. We found each other, actually, on the yes. internet, to be quite okay. honest. Okay, okay. Yes. And um, so that was a whole, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but so, <laughs> so we met and we dated and we got engaged. We got married. Now I knew from the beginning of our relationship mm-hmm. um, that he had had a vasectomy. Okay. So I knew that it was a chance that he would either a not be able to have children or it was going to be really hard to do mm-hmm. so. Um, we Wait, question, two. question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 34, we're talking about preserving. We got six eggs. We found out we had PCOS. So what was the time frame between when that happened to when you all met and then got married? And then did you introduce your fertility, um, I guess, landscape to him as he did with, in terms of a vasectomy to you, you know, prior to getting married? Yes. So that's a great question. And I did tell him that I have PCOS, but me being, you know, knowing what I know about PCOS as a physician and then knowing what I know about it as just a human, Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal, Mm -hmm. you know, a a challenge at all. It's like, I have PCOS. It might be a little hard for us to have a baby, but you know, this is the situation. I'm Mm -hmm. now 39. Okay. So, you know, several years have passed and, um, and I'm 39, we got married. And so we showed up, we got married December 1st, 2018. And then January of 2019, we showed up to the fertility specialist offices because I knew I was going to need to see one. Mm -hmm. So I I didn't go to my OB for her to send me to one. I just Mm -hmm. chose one myself and, and went and really just, I chose the person I, I went with based on word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we met with that practitioner and we were told that my husband was going to have to go through a procedure again, because he had a vasectomy, mm-hmm. um, but that we were going to try to use the eggs that I frozen earlier. So we had six and then we were going to try to do another cycle. 
so that I can get more. So that was the game plan, but we were going to go through his procedure first, because of course, like if they couldn't extract any sperm, there was no need for me to necessarily go through any harvesting. We just have to then default to a sperm donor. Right. So he had his procedure and I remember the urologist was in and out. He flew past me so fast <laughs> to that door. I'm looking like, well, what's going on? So... <laughs> And finally, they called us back to the fertility specialist's office, and we sat there, and we were told, period, point blank, you will never have a child, that, a biological child, ever. Wait, okay. That, so what was their reasoning for dropping that definitive Good. statement to you all at that time? Right. Because his procedure did not go well. They did not find any sperm that were viable. Wow. And they literally had to go to the source. Wow. So where sperm are created. And so they did not find any. And so from that piece of information, the practitioner jumped completely to, okay, you'll never have your own biological child because you're going to have to consider either a donor sperm or mm -hmm. an egg embryo. I'm sorry, a, a embryo adoption or a donor egg because Maya, you have PCOS and you only have six. Yes, I know you were 34 then, but mm. we don't know how quality, how good the quality of those eggs are. And your AMH now is pretty low. And, and you know, your listeners are wondering what an AMH is. It stands for anti-mullerian hormone. And it is a hormone that is an indirect indicator of how many eggs you might have um, in, your, in your ovaries at any given point in time. It does not tell you about the quality of those eggs. It only gives you a best estimate of the quantity that you have. So mine was low, and it was of her opinion that it wasn't going to be worth going through another egg harvesting retrieval, knowing that there were no sperm from my husband and I only had six. We just tried with the six with a sperm donor or we could opt for an embryo adoption. And when I heard that, whatever else she said after that, I have no idea because yeah. I started crying. Yep. I'll be right there with you. That I, Once I, again, I'm, it's so much to digest. Yes. You know what I mean? And it just happens so quickly in these offices, in these rooms with, with the physicians. And so you being a physician, I guess, you know, I've heard a lot of stories, you know, where, of course, doctors give kind of these definitive statements that it will never happen. And mm -hmm. for a good number of people, by the, the blessings of God, the, the opposite exactly happens. Uh -huh. um, and we'll get to you in a minute because... It it happened. It you have a you have a whole toddler to a show for it. Yes, so you know, thank God. <laughs> and so I guess I just wonder sometimes. Like I said, you're a physician. You know how or why are they able to make? And I know they're only going off data and what's yes. in front of us, and I get it. But I guess sometimes I just wonder. You know, hey doc, do you think? 
you know, you're, you have, you know, you're able to give this definitive statement like that. Or do we think that maybe you could have said, it's going to be very difficult based on what I'm saying? I guess I always just wonder when it comes to these definitive statements, if those are the right, if it's the right delivery to give people. Clearly it is not. And so, you know, you have to balance the data with compassion and with empathy and and realize that you're talking to another human who is Mm -hmm. having a very real human experience right now and they're also having to grieve what they thought was going to happen yes and so you have to hold space for that to, to occur it's nothing that can be delivered to a couple or an individual sitting in an office that can sometimes feel very cold and unfamiliar and say, well, this ain't going to happen. All your dreams that you've, you've dreamed about for years and things you've prayed for for years, well, it's just not going to happen. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to just be balanced with, like I said, the compassion, the empathy, and with the data in hand to deliver this kind of information and really realizing, again, that this family... Uh, this this father and this mother to be or the same sex couple or this single person is having to now grieve what they thought was going to happen and that takes time yes. that takes time to process yeah. so you can imagine like I just walked on out of that that, room, that office mm-hmm. and, and both of us were stunned and yeah. I think we rode home in silence and mm-hmm. there ensued my whole pity party yeah, I, I fell yeah. into a huge depression yeah. and became a shell of myself. I withdrew mm. from everything I enjoyed. Um, I stopped going to, you know, any social functions because mm-hmm. I was tired of people asking me about my uterus mm-hmm. and when I was going to put anything in my uterus and what was mm-hmm. going on with my. I mean, people were just so oh, yes. intrigued. Absolutely. Yeah, and especially at church. I mean, I remember. Oh my goodness! You know, I know she meant well, but I don't know. So she listen. I I, I, I understand, right? (laughs) And I I am like, why y'all so concerned? So you know, I just stopped. I just stopped and I withdrew from life, and and that was the opposite of what I needed to do, Brittany. And yeah, um, it, it just really took. I can remember this moment. I, I called my mother to tell her about how I was feeling. Just a deep ache is all I can mm-hmm. describe it as. Mm-hmm. It just just won't go away. It's like it's in your, in your heart. You feel it. Mm-hmm. And some people feel that in their stomach. It's just mm-hmm. and, and the pain is so intense. I just was crying out, weeping. Yes. Not not just sobbing. Just I'm mm-hmm. weeping and wailing. Mm-hmm. Just grieving what I thought I was going to have. And my mother said, she hung up the phone with me, said, I'm on my way. And I don't know who she called, but she showed up along with my tribe of girls Mm. that that were in the city. And they so graciously allowed me to just wail and weep Mm. and cry and get all of that out of me. And then I woke up the next day and was like, okay, I know I can do something different, God. Mm -hmm. I know there is something different. I know what you have promised me. 
Yeah. And I know that you're not a man that you would lie. So if this is what you promised me and I know that this is the desires of my heart, then I know that you have a solution. Right. So let's I do it. Ask that yes. I just continue to be in your will as I pursue what this solution is. And mm-hmm. I found another urologist to see my husband. He was a reproductive urologist. Okay. And, you know, handle situations like my husband's all day long. What it really came down to, my husband was using testosterone pellets to try to help with weight loss and increase mm. testosterone. Because as you get older, for me, right. your testosterone decreases. But what it also does is it essentially shuts down sperm production. Wow. So it was that that change of a doctor, and I won't say yes. simple, but in terms of that simple for him to figure out exactly what it was. Yes, and wow. so he put him on a medication to help him produce more sperm. And we had to mm-hmm. wait three months. And in the meantime, I switched over to the clinic and the doctor said, okay, I know we've got our odds stacked against us, but let's try to see if we can eat any more eggs out of you. Let's see if we, what we can get. See, and so I, that's I the proper response. That is yes. the proper response that we yes. needed. Like, I know yes. what it says, but let's give this a try. Let's give yes. it a try. If you want to do it, I'm willing to help walk with you to do it. And, mm. um, and so we, again, went for a procedure. My husband had his first and um, we're, we were there the same day. He had his first and he's, they're wheeling him out because they're done. I'm like, y'all finished already? Like, yeah. <laughs> Doctor's like, how many children you want? I mean, there were plenty of sperm in there. I'm getting ready to go to the golf course. Y'all have a good day. Oh my like, goodness. Oh, okay. Exciting. So, <laughs> they took me back and I'm all excited for my husband that his procedure mm-hmm. was successful. And then uh, they, my turn comes and then I come out and he says, Doc, I only got three. Mm. And I really had to really stress to get those. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man. So I was like, okay, God, well, we're going to take what we Look, had before. Exactly. Now we have nine. Now we have nine. We have nine. And, you know, you and I both know yes. that the attrition rate is yes. very high. Yes. And I, I just said, okay, God, I've done what I can do. That's and, it. and I did do some different things along mm-hmm. the way to help. I knew I was going to not be able to increase the number of eggs that I right. had, but I was going to try to do everything I could to increase the quality. Yes. And so while my husband was doing his three week, three month thing, I was taking, doing my three month thing, just doing everything I could to prepare for that extraction of my eggs and so we took the nine and by the time all was said and done we did genetic testing etc we were left with two normal embryos okay and one of those is my two and a half year old daughter listen that's all you needed that's all you needed and I think that's really important especially for those who um, maybe have not started along this path yet um, or that are new and I had a a really good girlfriend of mine who also went through IVF she's had her uh, first child she's over a year now Uh, she was also a guest way back when when she was still pregnant and Mm -hmm. she had told me you know don't get lost in the numbers. She was mm-hmm. like, you know, because it will one drive you crazy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no magic number, right? And that's yeah. one of the one of the many, many, many hard things about this journey is that, like you said, somebody could have. I mean, I've seen, and you have too, I'm sure, huge egg retrievals. I'm oh, talking yeah. twenty 30. eggs, thirty yeah. eggs, and I'm just like, and I never, and I'm still in that space too, right? I have never been diagnosed with PCOS. I have you know, endometriosis and fibroids and cysts and other mm-hmm. things, but I never had the that experience um you know so you know we were able to get you know you know a a little collection of eggs you Mm -hmm. know for uh, rounds two and three three being the very best that we were able to do round one was abysmal and we didn't even unfortunately get to the place where we were able even able to create any embryos Mm. and that's a whole different conversation because i only had a couple eggs and again Mm. what happened here right right Uh, (laughs) but you know but to, to that point so you know but you have people who have these huge egg pools and then they still may or may not get to the point where they have any embryos, any healthy embryos or a baby to take home with it. And so, you know, you were looking at it like, like I said, like I was and very similar, you know, in terms of, you know, let's say less than 10, you know, I was in that space, you know, less than 10 eggs for, for each cycle. And I was just like devastated. Yeah. And how is this, like I said, and and the level of attrition and, you know, but, but again, there's no, I see women all the time, you know, asking, Hey, I'm about to start, you know, what were your numbers for this? And, you know, what was your, you know, the ultimate number for your embryos? And I'm just like, baby, you can ask all day long, but it does not, there's no magic number or range to say this will equal this, unfortunately. Exactly. You know, but I think you just don't like you don't know. And so, you know, you automatically, I'm sure, assume, well, if I have a whole bunch, then that means one, I did fantastic. And, you know, it's a numbers game. So as we go down, 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 I'll have I'll still have a good amount. And like I said, it could happen, but it also could not. So I think something for, you know, women and couples to know is that, you know, like I said, don't get lost in the numbers. Right. You know, right. if you have, look, you got one embryo, that could be your one. Could be you know one. what I mean? And all you need is one. <laughs> and all you, all need, you need is, is one. one. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I had to have somebody to say that to me, you know, in yeah. the midst of my, 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 my throes of, of just yeah. feeling so sorry for myself mm-hmm. because I really thought I was alone in this journey. I mean, yeah. I didn't, when I went to the fertility clinics for my appointments, I didn't see people in there that looked like me. Right. And yep. so I was like, well, I guess I'm the only African-American woman in the world having to deal with infertility because I yeah. don't have a history. Nobody from my family said anything about it. I don't mm-hmm. have any friends that have it. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling really alone when in fact, that is so So true. far from the truth. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very easy to feel that way. <laughs> it is. It is very easy to feel that way. And, and, and I, I just had to like I said, get to the place where um, I was doing some radical things to to make sure that I built up my belief because I was like, okay, God, I know you are a God who does and can do all things, anything. And so I need to make sure I can build my belief to that level, at least close to it as much as I can. So Brittany, I did just even small things like I I was brave enough one day to even order a a onesie. Yes. And I put my baby's name on it. 
Oh. I didn't know if I was having a girl or a boy. I didn't know if I was going to get any eggs from any kind of cycle. I didn't know. Right. I didn't know anything. But I said, yeah. I'm going to have a baby. That's it. And so I bought a onesie, put her name on it, and I put mm. it in the, top, in the top drawer of my um, dresser. Mm-hmm. And every now and again, I just go and touch it. Yep. And I just pray over it. Yep. And, 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 be, and that be that. I just started to build the evidence and create the evidence that what I wanted that was still in the, in the spiritual world, that it was going to be present in the physical, natural world. I wanted a baby emotionally, spiritually. It was mm-hmm. going to be present in the physical world. Now, how that happened, I yeah. didn't know that. God knew that. Right. But I knew I wanted to be a mother. Um, yeah. And so that's what I started doing. And then, of course, I adjusted my diet. Um, I did try to lose weight. I guess if there mm-hmm. was one thing that I regret doing that I probably should have done better was to lose more weight before mm-hmm. I started to undergo a, a transfer and subsequently a pregnancy. I was at my heaviest in life. Okay. And um, that probably would have been the other thing that I would have done. But again, when you're going through you know, fertility treatments, you're injecting yourself with hormones for months and months and months on mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes your weight does just get out it of does. control. No, and it does. Okay. And you're tired and you're yes. just, you know, it's just so many things. I think everyone, you know, I was laughing with someone recently and it was just like, you know, oh my God, I could never imagine, you know, having to do all these shots. Oh my God. I was like, you know what, girl, I said the shots, the physically injecting myself for me is was the, became the least of my worries exactly. to be honest and I know it's, exactly. everyone's different and thank God I don't have you know an aversion to needles because God bless those women as well you know but that became really routine pretty quickly I mean I was terrified probably the first definitely the first cycle the first like week I was like this does not seem safe why are we allowed to do this at home by ourselves husband over here like let me try I'm like hold on no 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 wait 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 don't do it yet let me me get it down first and then I'll have you you know chime in or step in if I need you but you know anyway but it became routine and secondary to all yes. the other things, the emotional yes. strain, the the spirit, at least to your point, the spiritual aspect of it, once again, for each, you know, to each of their own. But same here on, on our side in our household, the, the conversations with God have been so different yes. in this process. Um, yes. You know, the... The level of of faith has been different. Um, You know, even, you know, every time there was, you know, a loss or, you know, loss of a cycle, the loss of an embryo, you know, a a bad appointment. And I could be sad and crying and really upset and take my moment. But there was still there was a point where over the last probably the last year, year and a half where. Somewhere deep, deep down, I still felt content and peace that it was Mm -hmm. going to work out. And that was Mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. And that's when I knew, like I said, that my my faith had taken on other properties, if you will, Mm -hmm. during this process, because I felt prior to, you know, so that same grief, that same upsetness, but so much 
inner turmoil or jealousy or anger. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying I don't have my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all have but, our day. You know, but I mean, you know, still, what, what there's something describing. in there that, yeah, that's different it's, now. It, it, you're describing that peace yeah. that passes all understanding. You can't really explain yeah. it to anybody. Mm-mm, they wouldn't mm-mm. know about it unless they walked it with you. But mm-hmm. you and your husband know. Yeah, you and your husband know, and God knows that you all have reached a place. We're like, okay, God, however you all you choose to bless us. Yeah, and back to step one, like you said, we don't know how it's going to look. And I think there was also a moment, or I know there was a moment because I shared this with someone else, another woman in this space, and I was like, I know for a fact, God told me, or He just He basically said to me at some point in time, like, okay. I know that, like I said, I know I want to be a mom. I know I'm going to be a mom, mm-hmm. but I never mm-hmm. told you how. Mm-hmm. I never promised you how. I mm-hmm. never promised you it was going to look this way. Mm-hmm. So I need you to fight in whatever way it needs to happen. I need mm-hmm. you to keep talking to me, of course, counseling with me on it. But again, you know, the question was kind of like, do you still want to be a mom? Right. Okay, right. well then let let's let's, let's keep go. going. Right, let's let's go. keep going. Let's keep fighting. Mm-hmm. And that's my word mm-hmm. of twenty twenty three is fight. But yeah, to to all things that you were saying, I'm nodding and agreeing and, and touching and agreeing through yes. through the screen. But yes. um but yeah, is is there something well, no, we haven't finished the story. So, okay, we got to finish the story let's finish on the story. Okay, yes, okay, how you got to your actual so, child. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. So, so we, 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 we were left with two, and and we, we told the docs, like, all right, listen, put the best one in you got, okay? That's it, and, yes. And, and, and put the best one in. So we prepared for our, our transfer cycle mm-hmm. procedure, and that was towards the end of 2019. And uh, and we were cutting it close too because we had to get in there before a certain date because mm. certain clinics actually closed um, um, towards the end of the year. Uh, at least the embryologist is no longer is not available, and that's that's who's key to all of this. Yes, it is the embryologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I showed up for my transfer. I had written a letter to my baby and I put mm. it in my purse. Nobody mm. knew about that but me. And mm, um, I, love that. I, I just went in there with so much faith and belief that God was going to do. And, and and I laid down and he said, see, that's your baby. I was like, all right. <laughs> and I, I, I had my acupuncture session right after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then I went somewhere and sat down. So... <laughs> uh, and you don't have to do that. You actually right, right. Do I always feel like I have to, though. I'm like, I got to sit down and lay down somewhere. Right, right. I have to go lay down somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. you're, just, you're just tired at that point. Yeah. And so um, I will tell you, Brittany, it was not an easy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't wish what I experienced on anybody. That's another conversation for another day. But let's just fast forward and say that I delivered my baby at 25 weeks. Mm. Um, because I had preeclampsia and I had help syndrome. And so as a result of that, because I delivered so early with those particular conditions, mm-hmm. I have been advised, you know, I'm about to pro- embark on yet another journey that I can no longer carry a baby anymore. Mm. It would be very selfish of me to do so, and I will yeah. not do that. And I will not put my life at risk. 
Am my child's life at risk? And my current child's and husband and family for me not to be here? I'm yes. not going to do that. So yes. now I'm looking at a surrogate surrogacy and a gestational carrier. That's what that's that's the reality. I have one embryo left. Okay. I don't think I have any more eggs left right now to even do another cycle. So mm-hmm. this is my last opportunity. Um, to be a mom in this way, in this way, because, right. you know, right. prior to me actually even meeting my husband, I was actually going to adopt the child by myself. Okay. By myself. And so yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to do it because I have so much love to share and to give, mm-hmm. you know, God hasn't blessed me with a partner yet, but I can still be a mother. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that that's, that's the end of the journey. But it, of course, you know, it still continues. So we've got to go to figure out this second phase um, of, of the journey. And I just want to really say to, to women out there who have been toiling in this for years and years and years, and it feels like it won't happen for you. And you're looking around and seeing it happen for everybody else. And you're wondering, God, why me? Why is this happening to me? What did I do? Was there something I could have done better? The answer was no, you didn't do anything wrong. No, there wasn't anything you could have done better. Um, this is, you know, the, this is what God has presented you with. This is your testimony. Only you can do this. Uh, he gave it to you to walk through. Um, and it can happen. It can happen. You may not be a mother now, but you will be a mother. You will. And I really, and that's the foundation of, of some of my coaching. And you, you talk, I talk about thriving through infertility. And Thrive actually has an, as an acronym um, for a lot of the work that I do with my clients. And the T stands for thoughts. We really get really deep into the unconscious thoughts that you may have been thinking or believing about your fertility journey and how some of those unconscious thoughts absolutely inform your conscious thoughts, your beliefs, your behaviors, your actions, and all those things together will inform your results. So we talk a lot about the mental aspect of it. And then the H stands for healing. And by healing, I mean you know, your spirituality, whatever that looks like for you. We get really, really in tune with that. The R's for resources. As a physician, I um, am aware of several other resources that um, could aid aid people on their fertility journey, and I happily share those. Um, The I stands for insight. Again, insight in some of the procedures and some of the things that are done practically in the fertility space. Um, sometimes when you can know what to expect when you're about to go have a procedure, you can feel better about it and go into it with less stress. That does help. Um, the V is for village. Um, I mentioned earlier that my girlfriend showed up for me when I was just in the throes of hurt. And it's so important, even on this journey, to form your village, not just with people you know, but yeah. I have village of strangers. Mm-hmm. 
that I didn't know that are still walking this journey with me and have been mm -hmm. so instrumental in helping me get through it. And then the E just stands for like the eating, the nutritional aspect that I talked about earlier. The one thing I wish I probably could have done better was to change um, my weight and change the way I was eating. But child, I'm rejecting all those hormones and stuff. I was Listen. like, I want all the chips, all the crackers, Listen. all the cookies, all I deserve. The I, I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> but but we, do, we do talk about that yes. in, in the coaching. And, and the way I look at um, what I do and, and how I am able to provide value for women who are walking this journey is to help, you know, help them be their own advocates and help advocate for them by helping them not miss those blind spots while they're in their process. Because when you're in it and you're emotionally invested in it, sometimes you can't see the blind spots and I can help you navigate that, not only from a space from a woman who's done it, but also practically from a woman who's a physician and is very familiar with the procedures, the language, the Medicaid, all of that I'm familiar with. Now, of course, I am a board certified pediatrician. I am not an OBGYN. I am not a reproductive specialist, but I did go through medical school and I do understand um, the procedures and things that, that uh, our, our REIs do in order to help women um, with pregnancy. And so I think the best way to sum it up is, you know, the value is that I am hoping to and, and can provide the best case scenario as different options are presented to women um, as they walk through their journey, helping them find those blind spots, helping them through, you know, the, the what I described to you in the acronym is actually a curriculum that I've developed. And then, you know, as we, as I help coach them through, guide them through to provide the best chances of a successful pregnancy. Because in truth, nobody can promise you anything. I wish we had a crystal ball as a physician to be able to say, I'm no, this is the exact moment when you're going to have a baby. Nobody can promise you that. Only God knows when that will be, will come. But what I can do is kind of help guide you along that journey um, and increase your chances of having a successful pregnancy. Because to be quite honest, you know, it doesn't end with the baby. It really does not. And <laughs> once the baby is here, there's a whole nother world that you step into. And so I know at least in my beginning of my journey, I thought it was all about mm -hmm. the baby. And um, because that's what I was doing this right. for, right? I was doing all these injections, spending all this money for a yeah. baby, yeah. right? And so, it, you know, when I realized that that road was torturous and it wasn't a straight path and it was curvy and ups and downs and roller coasters, I, I just had to on the one hand, hold the belief that, yes, I wanted a baby. But on the other hand, I also had to hold the belief that the journey doesn't stop with the baby either. And so what that helped me to do is just really reconcile in myself and come to a peace and, and to, to know that what you said earlier, I didn't promise you how it was going to happen. I didn't tell you how it was going to happen. I just said it would happen. So 
that that means that I had to be open right. to exploring other ways of becoming a mother. And and that that's what I help clients to do. I love it. So how can if somebody, you know, thinks they're ready for this type of coaching and support and, and advocacy for themselves, how can they find you? How can they reach you um, if they would like to, you know, get more information or work with you? Yes, yes. So I am on all social media outlets across the board as at the doctor's womb. So you can find me on Instagram, on TikTok, on in Facebook. I also have a private Facebook group. Um, all you have to do is just send me a DM asking you to be involved in it. And I do share, again, a lot of, of gems, um, even practical things like scholarships that I'm aware of that help with women and, and couples who are going through infertility. I share some of those things. Um, and then I have a website, www.thedoctorswound.com. So if, if you don't remember anything else, just remember the doctor's wound. You Google it, you should find my website. You'll pull me up on Instagram, Facebook, and then the email address is maya at thedoctorswound.com. So that is how you can get in touch with me. And I would encourage you and your listeners out there um, if you even think this is something that, that you would want to be involved in or something you've heard in this conversation that really hits with you, just reach out. Um, I am all about not leaving any woman behind. Um, and so if this is what you want to do, it is my passion and my soul's work to to really um, help advocate for you and guide you through to the end of this journey, which will be for a successful pregnancy. That's it. I love it. Thank you again so much for hopping into Fertility Fair, talking to our community. There was a lot of good information here. I thank you for being able to share your personal story. Um, along with just giving us a lot of knowledge and education on, on different things along this assisted reproductive uh, journey. We know it can be a lot, you know, when you're hit with it, it seems like, so like, so like mm. you're alone. It seems like, you know, you may not have anyone in your corner. It's, it's all foreign. It's mm. all everything. And there's so much educating to be done. I think I learned something new weekly, right. literally, you know, from someone else or on social or in the office, there's just so much. Right. And so I thank you for not only sharing your story, but saying, you know what, because I've gone through this, I really want to make sure that other women and women of color are able to, you know, access and understand this can be an option for you. It's not just for, right. you know, certain people, because I think so many times we get into right. this whole, oh, it's just for rich white women or it's no, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. Mm -mm. You know, this is, no, so it could be a solution for, for anybody. Right. And I understand there's costs right. and, and insurance and we know all of that, but if there's a will, there's a way. There are people like you who are doing literally God's work in the fertility coaching space and are Thank able you. to help you. Like I said, there's grants, scholarships, whatever, things that we just aren't aware of. So, you know, please take heed to right. this information. Like I said, if it's not for you or if you, you know, maybe you're, you're past this place, give it to somebody else. Please right. give back, right. you know, reach out. And like I said, no woman left behind. I love that. 
Like we all have to be in this together. And, you know, I said, even if you are past this point of your journey, there is thousands of other women who are not and who are just as scared and angry and frustrated and, and worried about what's next. And, you know, we need to all be a, a resource for them to say, you know what, I, I can get through this. I can do it. And, and here's another resource that I can use to do it. So the doctor's womb, that's exactly. it. The doctor's womb. <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. That's it. And thank you, Brittany, for Fertility Ain't Fair, just for holding the space to have these conversations for women to talk about real things and have real conversations and keeping it a hundred percent. And also sharing your own journey. It takes a lot to be in a place to share your journey in that way. Um, so thank you, because we we listen. We all out here on this on the battlefield. All of us trying to make sure that that we as a people and as a as African American women can achieve those goals and dreams that we want to become mothers. So I appreciate you, my <laughs> sister. Thank you so much for yes, having me. No, thank you. I appreciate you. When it comes to comfy, confident, cozy clothing, let me tell you about Sayana Fit. Their brand is focused on providing you the very latest design leggings that embrace your curves and hug you at the waist for the best tummy control feature. And I don't care who you are. As women, we always love a little bit more tummy control, and I definitely want to embrace all my curves. Their bras are high impact, made of supportive yet removable pads that give you the confidence and the comfort and security to move comfortably no matter what you're doing, working out, working from home, whatever the case may be is. They are here to give you the best most fashionable designs when it comes to uh, workout wear, lounge wear, etc. So check them out online, sionafit.com. That's S-I-Y-A-N-A fit.com. So Dr. Maya said what needed to be said on a number of topics. And again, I thank her for coming into our space, blessing us with her presence, her, her knowledge, and also her own story of getting from fertility challenges to being a mother and beyond. So you know I have my top takeaways. Number one, preserving your fertility. Now, we know that it sometimes is not common for our doctors or our OBs to bring this up, um, but it's important if it's not brought into you that you bring it to them and you find a specialist if needed to discuss, okay, what options might I have if I want to start checking my fertility, checking my egg count, um, looking at other um, conditions such as PCOS or endometriosis or whatever it is, fibroids. Let's talk about it. Let's not, you know, wait until something happens or, you know, we are unsuccessful for, you know, a year, for example, until we start looking at, okay, what's happening in our, our bodies with our fertility, our hormones, etc. So, um, you know, if you aren't having luck getting through to your current doctor or care team, then find somebody else. Number two, um, the historical trauma wrapped around women of color with fertility and I think the stigma around infertility 
really needs to be addressed more. And if you are a woman of color and you are struggling with, okay, why do I feel this way? Why is this so hard for me to, to get through or to, or to process? You're not alone, sis. Do not deny those feelings. Do not think that, you know, you are crazy for thinking these things. It's different for us. And so while this journey is hard for everybody, just know there's always an extra layer of of tough things, complicated things, multi-layered things for us to go to when it when it comes to our past, our our multi-generational trauma, and also our our healthcare issues. So you are not alone in that. So if you feel like you need to find someone to, to talk through that with, I encourage you to do just that. And then number three, finding or creating your support system, getting yourself a fertility coach. I have met so many fertility coaches over the last two years when I didn't even know that was a thing. So if you are in need of a support system, if you are in need of a coach to help you at some point or any point of your journey, do not feel like you cannot reach out to a Dr. Maya or any of the other coaches that you come across or that, you know, we've had one a past episode, please reach out to them. They are amazing women doing God's work. (laughs) Okay. They are doing soul work. They are doing passion driven work. And a lot of them have been right in our shoes at one point or another. So those are my top takeaways from this episode. Thank you again, Dr. Maya. Connect with her, The Doctor's Womb, on all things social and her website. And check her out if you need someone in your corner. That wraps it up for this episode of Fertility Ain't Fair. Um, you know the drill. If you have not followed us on social media, uh, please do so at Fertility Ain't Fair. Connect with me. Slide in my DMs. I will definitely slide back. Um, that's how we connect. That's how we continue to grow this amazing community of support across across the, the, the world, the continent, etc. So please reach out. Also, if you have someone who could be a great guest on an upcoming episode, let me know. Help me out. (laughs) Make this easier. Connect me with somebody who could be a great guest. And, And that's it. So until next time, you already know, I am your forever friend in fertility. Stay hopeful.